Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello and welcome back, you guys. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, all you saints. All you saints. (laughs) You've gathered around us today for our services in these, the latter days. These the latter days. It's so true because every generation is special and every generation is the like it's the last days, right? Yeah, they're the special dispensation, the chosen ones. <laughs> dispensation, <laughs> I forgot. Appreciate <laughs> that in my patriarchal blessing. Trigger. Um, <laughs> well, how are you doing, Sarah? What's new? I'm doing well. Um Nothing too exciting, although last weekend, I mean, I've already told you this, but for you listeners, you're in for a treat to hear us chatty. And <laughs> um, So this past weekend, Berlin opened up restaurants for the first time in like six months. So that was really nice to just go out and I mean, it had to be outdoor seating and it was pretty shit weather. But I think all of us were just going so stir crazy that we were like, fuck it, we're going to sit in the rain. <laughs> as long as we're outside and at a restaurant, it's going to happen. Yeah. So it was nice having some nice dinner on Friday. Went to a beer garden, a lovely beer garden. Drank way too much beer and ordered KFC at 11 p.m. at night. So <laughs> that was my weekend. Living your best life out there. <laughs> <laughs> really, though. You, uh, uh, Katie? Yeah, I like I told you already, repeating myself, but yeah, um... We were able to go sit on a patio as well and just enjoy some some lunch over the weekend. And it feels great. Things are getting a little bit back to normal. So, yeah, had it was good times. But nothing too crazy. I mean, I feel like, yeah, the older you get, the less, like, more exciting, crazy shit you do. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? It's like, I just want, like, for me, an exciting weekend is to stay in bed until midday never change your pajamas, like just stay in them the whole day, eat, take out, maybe, you know, venture from the couch to the kitchen. I don't know. We'll <laughs> don't get crazy. Yeah, don't get too crazy on us. <laughs> popcorn from a bowl that's resting on your titties and just watch TV all day. That's all I'm learning. And that's what you can do now that you don't have to go to church and on Sunday or clean the chapel on a Saturday. So glorious thing. Glorious. I have to like literally the weekends used to give me so much anxiety as a member because it was like you didn't really have a break. It was just no break. It was constant Monday through Friday. And then you had like some type of church shit on a Sunday or a Saturday. And then you had all day Sunday festivities. It was like you never got to have a lion. Right. A lion. You're so British. <laughs> I know. It's so annoying, you guys. I keep saying British shit and I blame it on Greg. You're the worst. It's saying. cute. I like it. <laughs> Earlier I was telling Kate I was like knackered. Or I said gutted the other day too and I was like, stop it. <laughs> well, um, I have some great news to share. We have some new patrons. Ooh, tell us. I'd like to give a big shout out to Laura. Hi, Laura. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, lovely Laura. It was so nice for you to join us. Thank you for 
your support and your lovely messages. I have not opened it yet, but I see it and we're gonna get to it. So <laughs> we will get there. Bear, bear with us. We have a long list of messages to get through. Yeah. Um, next up is Chloe. Hello. Thank you so much, Chloe. Hi, Chloe. I can't remember what alliterative name I gave you in the message, but I'm sorry. You're contagiously creative and one wonderful. Not to start with C. I can't remember. Sorry, Chloe, but thanks. And um, we really appreciate your support. And then, big announcement, as Sarah mentioned, I think it was last week or the week before you mentioned, we added a new tier to our patron Patreon, where at this tier, it's called Outer Darkness, and it's the highest level, and if you join this tier, that means that you can be a guest on the show if you'd like, and you can also pick a topic for us and we will cover it in depth on a full length episode. And our very first member of Outer Darkness, big gigantic shout out to Emily. Hey Emily. Hi Emily, we are so flattered. And literally whenever that message came in, that email, both Katie and I were like, I'm, I'm, I knew I was about to shit myself with excitement. So, yeah. so cool. I yeah we're both just so flattered and appreciative of your support and generosity um we definitely as we say every week couldn't do it without our patrons and we just want to give a special shout out to you Emily because that's so generous and so nice and we love you um and as Katie mentioned yeah be on the lookout for in this this tier you get um, you can be an ep like a guest on the episode, but also, as Katie mentioned, pick a topic and some behind-the-scenes content and a special video just for you. Um, yep. So, yeah. And <laughs> don't worry, it's not going to be a porno. <laughs> yourself, Katie? Well, maybe Sarah will send you a porno. Who knows? It depends on what you request, listeners. So, you know, I'm not above anything. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that does it for announcements for me. I do have just one more announcement. Okay. Not to tell you this before, but I'm sure you won't mind. Um, if I, if I did research this week, you guys, and in my note, I, I organized it to opening statement. Oh, nice. Talk. Second talk, which is just my topics. Anyway, so opening statement. I wanted to give an update, not really a corrections corner, but just we had a lovely message from one of our patrons who, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but that episode we were talking about therapy and in particular LDS therapists and if they are referred from bishops or within the church and we were asking people if they knew. So one of our lovely patrons sent a message and I'm just going to read that quickly if you don't mind. No, it, yeah, please do. Cool. So this patron says, listening to y'all's Natasha Helter's episode and have an experience to share that can answer your question about LDS therapists. When I was in high school, my mom had a bad eating disorder and had to stay at a center while she was there. My dad went to the bishop and asked for a therapist's recommendation. He helped my dad get in touch with an LDS therapist who had discounted rates for members and did counseling with members at an LDS church building. This was in Connecticut. I am pretty sure it was done through the LDS Family Services. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then just a little, just a little lovely note to us. Thank you for doing an episode on this. It was I was so upset over this the past week and came really close to posting an article about it on my Facebook. Still considering it because it's an excellent example of how the church silences and provides its members with no freedom of thought. Yeah. So that does that it's interesting that um, a therapist would offer a discount to someone that's a, of a particular religion. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, for some reason it feels a little um, it feels maybe like- unethical, a little bit weird, yeah. but I guess who knows, you run your practice however you want, but I'm just like, huh, that seems like yeah. you're favoring someone. <laughs> to be honest, I thought the same. But yeah, thank you, Lisa, thank for, you. Yeah, for that clarification, because I've had a feeling there had to be something like that. I just had never experienced it. But yeah, thanks for that clarification. Hey, you guys, we have a fun topic this week. Um, and not to plug Patreon again, but I'm going to. We just recorded a fun episode that is a continuous a topic uh, or a continuous conversation of the topic we're going to cover today, but we just threw in two surprise ones and we play a little guessing game. So it's it's a fun topic and hopefully you guys like it. But we are doing, Katie, do you want to announce it? Yes. So today the topic we had settled on was famous Mormons and we because we've had this kind of on the books for a long time and we each when we were discussing this we were thinking we'd each pick three or four famous Mormons and talk about them throughout the episode and then uh, Sarah started going deep on a specific person and was like I think I'm just gonna do this one it's gonna take up too much time and so I did the same thing I did a little bit of a deeper dive on another famous Mormon and then like Sarah said, we covered a couple extra on our Patreon, and we'll probably do some more later because there are quite a few, and it's pretty interesting. Yeah, exactly. We had, as, as Katie was just saying, like we had a, a list. Like I, I love this topic, and I think the reason why is because as a Mormon, I don't know why, but it it gave me some sense of like uh, pride, or I don't know. I found out. Someone was Mormon that was famous. I was like, oh, my God, I instantly love them just because they're Mormon. Like, I would do no additional research, but was just like, well, if they grew up Mormon, they are legit. And I feel like I need to support them. Girl, I was I was the same way. And I do notice with um, LDS members that I know now, I do notice that they seem to carry kind of an affinity towards famous people who are Mormon. Like, for example... There's a famous, well, I guess somewhat famous, but he's a major league baseball player and his name is Bryce Harper and he's Mormon. And I feel like Mormons just really like him. They don't really even care about baseball necessarily or about his team, but it's like if they're going to wear something with some kind of sport logo, kind of like, um, oh, what's his name? There's a basketball player. Yeah, Steve Young, too. You know, people are just like, oh, yeah, we'll be a fan of him because he's Mormon. I've totally noticed that. And I used to do that completely. I completely did that as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would do that. Like, again, like, yeah, like, 
sports people, not as much, but like actors and actresses, I would be like, oh, if they're Mormons, they're yeah, we'll support them. They're they're like doing God's work just like me. They're like me, and they almost make you feel less weird about being Mormon, right? You're like, yeah. oh, look, it's like a beautiful, successful, famous person. They're Mormon, so like I'm, yeah, I'm on the right path, essentially. <laughs> exactly. I would I would do that too. Um, well, Sarah, who did you pick to cover today? Should, so should I go first? <laughs> yeah, I want you to go first. I'm very excited to hear. <laughs> I Okay, so I feel, just the little background, I feel a bit guilty going into so much detail about this person because they're actually like a pretty horrible person and we're giving... <laughs> I picked a pretty horrible person too. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, I feel a bit guilty because, you know, we're, like, giving them airtime. But at the same time, I think it's worth calling out. And, yeah, sorry, guys, I can't can't stop burping. It's also just, like, interesting because I had no idea this person was Mormon until I researched. Like, I just Googled most famous Mormons, and her name popped up, and I was like, no fucking way. Oh, oh, before before you continue, I thought we should do a little disclaimer right here at the beginning. We're not saying that any of this as like lawyers or entertainment specialists. We're just doing it to have fun on a podcast. So if like we mess up any details, don't come for us. Yeah. And also, I just want to point out that just because we're going to talk about these two specific famous Mormons does not mean that all Mormons are like this. I feel like we have to say it every single freaking episode or we get emails about it. We understand there are Mormons who are progressive and that are kind and lovely. We love many Mormons in our lives, but we're just pointing out some of these famous Mormons, what they've done and maybe how it correlates to the church and the church's teaching. So disclaimer, don't come for us. <laughs> also disclaimer, if you listen to our podcast and have that way of thinking, and if that's your first response, just don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm cool I mean, too. <laughs> that too. Like you should know at this point that we're not assholes. We're not saying every single Mormon is like this. We're just picking ones and talking about them. And it's a fun episode. And as Katie said, we are not PR specialists or lawyers or anything like that. So don't come at us if you have like uh, any information that's not 100% accurate. Go go complain to Wikipedia because that's where 95% <laughs> of our research is coming from. So now that I have that out of the way, All right. resource Wikipedia. Let's start from, with that. So my person is Roseanne Barr. Dun, dun, dun. So I'm going to give a detailed overview because I find it was so interesting going through her story. I had no idea, no idea any of this. Like I, I heard a bit about obviously her early 90s and late 90s controversies. And then we all know what happened recently, which was kind of like, you know, the the now, wait, what is that saying? That, like, sealed the deal for me? Is that the saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, because we all know she's a pretty horrible person, but then that happened, which we'll get to later. I'll cover it. 
And I was just like, okay, yeah. So then to find out that she's Mormon and there's quite a bit about, like she's pretty open about her Mormonism. So this is going to get interesting. Let's okay. get into it. Let's get into it. First thing I found super interesting was that she was born on November 3rd, 1952 in Salt Lake City, Utah. This is the place. (laughs) Place. Had no idea. So she was born there, but to a Jewish family. So she's the oldest of four children born to Helen, who's a bookkeeper and cashier, and Jerome Herschel, I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, Barr who worked as a salesman, um, her, okay, I don't need to go into that. So her Jewish upbringing was influenced by her devoutly Orthodox Jewish maternal grandmother. Barr's parents kept their Jewish heritage secret from their neighbors and were partially involved in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. the Mormons. The Mormons. Um, So Barr has, has stated, quote, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, morning I was a Jew. Sunday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, and Wednesday afternoon we were Mormons. Interesting. And then the story behind why they got involved in Mormonism is also interesting. So when Barr was three years old, she got Bell's palsy on the left side of her face. Bell said, so quote, my mother called a rabbi to pray for me, but nothing happened. Then my mother got a Mormon preacher, he prayed, and I was miraculously cured. Years later, Barr learned that Bell's palsy was usually temporarily, temporary, sorry, and that the Mormon elder came exactly at the right time. So <laughs> Mormon Jesus knew exactly when to send the elder over. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's so funny because I'll get to this later because she has a a book that her sister wrote where it goes into more of this account, but essentially her mom like converted, but I don't know if it was ever officially um, that they were baptized. They don't really cover that, but she did say that like her mother did say whenever she was quote unquote miraculously cured that the Mormon church must be the only true religion. So then she wanted to make sure that she, said that or like made a point to to believe that because of that miracle that happened so that's why she was still like holding on to her jewish traditions and roots and um cultures but also still participating in mormonism at the same time so she grew up having both influences oh wow yeah so um okay so it goes on um at six years old Barr discovered her first public stage by lecturing at LDS churches around Utah and was even elected president of a Mormon youth group. Oh, wow. She was quite involved in the church as a youth. Um, Later at age 16, Roseanne was hit by a car. The incident left her with a traumatic brain injury and her behavior changed so radically that she was institutionalized for eight months at Utah State Hospital. Whoa, holy shit. I did not know that. Yeah, exactly. Um, in 1970, when Roseanne Barr was 18 years old, she moved out and she told her parents that she was going to visit a friend in Colorado for two weeks, but never returned. Hmm. Um, yeah. So in that same year, so same year, she had a child, 
Brandy Ann Brown, whom she placed for adoption. They were later reunited, um, but she just never told her family any of this. And I think this is what they, we'll get into it later, but basically around, like as soon as she moved, that's when she kind of cut her connection with Mormonism. Okay. Um, So just to give a little background on her and like, uh, before we get into all (laughs) many, many controversies, um, she on February 4th, 1974. So at this point she would have been about 21. If I can do the math, right. 21, 22. She married Bill Pitman, who was a motel clerk. She met while in Colorado. They have three children and then she divorced in 1990. Four days later, in 1990, she married fellow comedian Tom Arnold. Did, did, you, did you say four days? Sorry? Yeah, four days later. Four days after. Oh, wow. That's fast, Roseanne. Okay. <laughs> also, I never knew that she was married to Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold was pretty big in the 90s. Like, I mean, not so much now, but, like, he's pretty yeah, big. I- Honestly, don't know like basically anything about her except for her TV show from the nineties. Yeah, exactly. And like her um her uh reboot, is that what the right word? Like that just happened in the last like two years. But anyway, um da, 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 a bar met Arnold in nineteen eighty-three in Minneapolis when he opened for her stand-up comedy act. In 88, Barr brought Arnold onto her sitcom, Roseanne, as a writer. So by this time, like, she has already created the first version, like, original, the OB of Roseanne. Okay. It's like reading some sources on this, and the way people describe that show in the 90s, and, well, I think it was the 90s, but it's just... It's so fucked. Like, I'm not excusing her behavior and, like, I'm not making excuses for her as a person, but how people describe, like, oh, yeah, like, it was just to showcase um, basically a stereotypical American woman who's just, like, fat and works at a, as a waitress. Mm. It's just horrible. Like, the reviews and stuff, like that, I'm like, okay, if they're talking about the quality of acting, fair enough, but, like, just how they describe her physically and, like, yeah. it's really yeah. different. It was quite horrible. Right. Um, okay. So I'm going to skip this part. Ba, 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 ba. You guys like how I'm doing that? Da, 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 da. <laughs> I feel like I need to fill in the gaps there. So, Bar, so Roseanne, she also has a lesbian sister, Geraldine, and a gay brother, Ben, both of whom inspired her to introduce gay characters into her sitcom. She has also said that she supports gay marriage, but Geraldine was also her manager while performing in comedy clubs. And at the start of her sitcom, Geraldine claimed Arnold tried to dominate Barr for his own reasons. Hmm. Don't really know. They don't go into more detail about that. Um, But basically, Roseanne fired her sister and then she filed, her sister filed, a $70.3 million breach of contract lawsuit in the Supreme Court of Los Angeles County on December 18, 1991. Oh, that's some cash. Right. And mm-hmm. her sister said that Roseanne promised her half the earnings from the Roseanne show for helping invent the, quote-unquote, 
domestic goddess character in 1981, serving as a as a writer, organizer, accountant, bookkeeper, and confidant. Since it was six months past the statute of limitation, the suit was thrown out. Oh, wow. Then there was this other scandal. You guys, I'm telling you, this is a rabbit hole I went down, and I just... (laughs) Roseanne rabbit hole. (laughs) Roseanne rabbit hole. So, apparently, on April... Not April. I can't even... Why? I said April, and the the month was February. Where where is the connection (laughs) in my brain? Wow. So, on February 14th, 2011... Uh, Barr and Geraldine, which is her sister, right, just mm-hmm. a reminder, um, appeared on the Oprah Winfrey show, which you guys know I'm fucking obsessed with Oprah. There is a big Oprah fan. <laughs> a huge Oprah fan. So she wanted to clarify what she said in public in a 1991 interview with people where Roseanne described herself as an incest survivor, accusing both of her parents of physical and sexual abuse, claims which they and Geraldine publicly denied. So she said that in 1991, and on 2011, Barr goes on the Oprah Winfrey show, and she admits that the word, quote, incest, could have been the wrong word to use and should have waited until her therapy was over before revealing the darkest time in her life. So this for me was, I don't really know, because I don't want to be dismissive, obviously. Like, that's a strong accusation to make. And, of course, at the time she made it, I probably wouldn't have, like, second-guessed it or said, like, you know, maybe had any doubts, because I'm all about, like, if people come forward with those types of things, it's never an easy thing, and, like, for the most part... It, yeah, it just it's better to, to weigh on the side of, like, it's truth than not. Yeah. But yeah. they come out, like, 20 years later and say that it could have been the wrong word. I don't that's know. Very, thought, um, yeah, that, that doesn't sit right with me either because that word has a very specific meaning. And it's not like that meaning has changed since 1991. So it's like, what did, like, did you mean that or not? You know, it's not like choosing the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a bit weird. I mean, she goes on to tell Oprah, my goddess, and in my mind, if there's a god, it's Oprah. <laughs> 100%. Um, she said to Oprah, quote, I was in a very unhappy relationship, and I was prescribed numerous psychiatric drugs to deal with the fact that I had some mental illness. I totally lost tr- tr- oh God, I can't say. I totally lost touch with reality, and I didn't know what the truth was. I just wanted to drop a bomb on my family. So even that, it's like you just wanted to drop a bomb on your family. So you say that you were like, yeah, that's relationships with your parents, like. I don't know. That already put like a really sour taste in my mouth before I continued to even go on to this rabbit hole. I was just a bit like, huh. Yeah, and I I really, it's really unfortunate when things like this happen and people point to instances like this saying, oh, look, 
another false accusation of of rape or incest or molestation and it's like these don't happen that often but when they do and especially if it's a famous person it it discredits and it makes it harder for people who actually have been victims because it's harder for them to speak up because then they get questioned because they're like oh Roseanne and all these you know whoever else lied about it so maybe you are too and who knows maybe Roseanne wasn't lying but these words that she's using later make me sound like she's trying to excuse her behavior and blame it on drugs and family drama versus what actually happened and I I can't speak I wasn't there obviously but it just the wording sounds sketchy to me exactly and another thing I have an issue with is that she basically blames it on mental illness which I'm you know we are very much advocates of mental health awareness and talking about mental health and mental illnesses but I also get a bit annoyed is too strong of a word but just there's already so many negative connotations out there in society mental health and mental illness and it's like you know you watch all of these like horror movies and even like recent ones that have come out in the last few years that it's always like a person who's a killer has a mental health or they're like you know bipolar or they have multiple personality disorders and they're always like you know violence or murders or saying horrible things about you know like making up stories and so it's just it's annoying because it's like I'm not trying to be dismissive about her mental health but at the same time it's like I don't know if what is reality and what isn't and it seems like she's allowing this to be an excuse for saying that she was molested as a child or like you know, had incestuous relationships with her parents and decided to backtrack from that 10, 20 years later. Yeah, it further stigmatizes mental health and it shouldn't be used as an excuse because you still have responsibility even if you do struggle with mental health. So, yeah, I fully agree with you. Yeah, it's just, it's it's sad because as you mentioned, we weren't there. We don't know the truth. So I'm not saying that this didn't happen. It's just unfortunate that a, she did it, but B, how she went on to explain it on Oprah, which was like her chance to take accountability, I felt like, or even say like, look, you know, she does say that not everything was quote made up, but also at the same time, it's like you could have taken that moment to not just say you wanted to drop a bomb on your family. Like that makes it sound, it, it discredits you. Like, yeah. just say, you know what, I fucked up, I said some things that I took it too far, but look, there is still some truth to this, um, and she even said, quote, nobody accuses their parents of abusing them without justification, but again, it's like, what does that mean, were you upset because you didn't get your way, or legit, was there abuse happening, because this is something that happens to a lot of people, and it just feels very dismissive how you're treating the whole subject, and you have a platform that you can talk about it openly or at least get some of like clarity out there. And it just seems like it's a, a joke to her almost. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so basically so she cuts all communication with like her sister doesn't speak to her for 12 years. Um, but I don't know if they reconciled or not. So we're going to skip some of the other stuff. Um, I think it's interesting they list her multiple cosmetic surgeries performed in 1990s. Hmm. 
you know, when you get to know that. Um, and this one. Okay, so in 2015, Roseanne revealed that she was diagnosed with both macular degeneration and glaucoma and thus was gradually losing her eyesight and expected to eventually go blind. Didn't know that. Um, she basically, like, had surgery. I'm not going to go into all that. Um, also, did you know that in 2018, she said to have had a heart attack, but then later again went on social media and said she was not suffering from any medical issues? Oh, no. Yeah. So it's just like a bit, it's, it's kind of like it's all over the place. And it's I like don't back really and know. forth, like things are bad, things are fine, things are bad, things are fine. And you're like, um, yeah, <laughs> which one is it? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so now I'm going to jump to some of the controversies or controversies, as those Brits say, <laughs> that she's had that are fake, which again, I didn't know like any of these. So the national anthem, do you remember this one? <laughs> um, it, it rings a slight bell. I can't remember any details, so. Okay. So on July 25th, 1990, Roseanne performed the Star Spangled Banner off-key before a baseball game between the San Diego Padres and the Cincinnati Reds at Jack Murphy Stadium. She later said she was singing as loudly as possible to hear herself over the public address system, so her rendition of the song sounded, quote-unquote, screechy. Following <laughs> her rendition, she mimicked the often-seen actions of players by spitting and grabbing her crotch as if adjusting a protective cup. Barr <laughs> later said that the Padres had suggested she bring humor to the song, but many criticized the episode, including President George H.W. Bush, called <laughs> her condition, quote, disgraceful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you expect? People kind of lose their minds if people don't, <laughs> I guess, treat the national anthem exactly how they think they should. Oh, my God. People lose, um, not by people, like some select Americans lose their yeah. Which I always find so funny because I even still have a slight tendency, like if if Greg or anyone like says like a comments on America in a negative way, but it's truth. It's like true comments. I still get a bit like, oh, don't you dare talk about America. <laughs> and then I have to be like, wait a minute, that's still valid. That's a good point. I agree with you. So why does it matter if it's coming from your mouth? So agree. Um, yeah. So she also has one. In 2009, she did a Hitler photo shoot. Oh, God. Yeah, it's real bad. She received criticism in 2009 when she posed as Adolf Hitler in a feature for the satirical Jewish publication, Keeb, I think I'm correct, uh, pronouncing it correctly. Um, and they called it, oh, this makes me so cringy. I don't even want to read it up. Called it that oven feeling. <gasps> yeah. What? It's bad. It gets worse. The Nazi theme was reportedly her suggestion and featured her with a Hitler mustache, a swastika armband, holding a tray of burnt gingerbread man cookies that the article referred to as burnt Jew cookies. How in the hell? Would anyone want to participate in this? It's horrible. 
like I read this a few times to make sure I understood it like correctly. Like it's so bad. Um, The magazine's publisher, Josh Newman, said the photos were taken for satire and were not done for shock value. Barr, who is Jewish, said she was making fun of Hitler, not his victims, which I just don't really see how that's the case. I'm a bit like it doesn't seem like she's making fun of Hitler. It just seems like she's making fun of the atrocity that happened to Jewish people during a horrible time. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not Jewish, but I just, to me, found it incredibly distasteful. Like, yeah, same. I'm I'm not Jewish, um, but that does not seem like a very yeah tasteful thing to participate in. No. Um. Yeah. So the revival of her show in March 2018 caused the photos to resurface on social media and renewed mentions of the incident in the Jewish magazine The Forward and in Los Angeles Times. Woof. So, um, okay, so I'm going to skip this one. I'm just doing the ones that are like, makes your jaw drop to the floor. <laughs> it's just fucking ridiculous. Um, okay, so now we're getting to the juicy ones that I think okay. that you guys know. So it was in 2018, so as we just mentioned, her she had the reboot of Roseanne, which I never watched it even before the controversial. Well, it's not, it's just a fucking awful thing that she said. I never watched it. I don't know. Did you watch an episode? Um, when I was little, I remember seeing it on TV, so that would have been in the early 90s when it was on, I guess, or throughout the 90s. And I just remember, I don't remember anything really specifically from it, but I do remember it felt like a like an angry funny sitcom it it never really sat right with me it felt like very um contentious <laughs> so yeah. yeah I but I definitely haven't seen any of the new one yeah same like I remember it being on tv in the 90s like I don't even remember what channel but my mom would always change it because she didn't like it but I do remember like, it was like John Goodman's in it as well right? yeah Yep, and yep. it was just, like, a lot of bickering and shit. Yeah, like a lot of fighting, and I was just like, eh, I'm not really into it. But then, you know, whenever she did the reboot in 2018, I do remember the first few episodes, everyone was like, oh, my God, it's so good. And, like, so I almost watched it until she was an asshole and made that tweet, and then it got canceled. So, okay, so to give you guys background, in case, you were living under a rock in 2018 and didn't hear about it. I will tell you what happened. So on May 29, 2018, Roseanne Barr responded to a thread on Twitter about Valerie Jarrett, who was a senior advisor to former President Obama. It reads, quote, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VJ, end quote. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the tweet was widely criticized as being racist about Jarrett. Barr was initially defensive, but then later posted an apology saying, quote, for making a bad joke about Jarrett's politics and her looks. Okay. Which is, like, not really an apology in any way. It's just like, okay, fine, whatever. 
Um, she disputed allegations of racism, saying she believed Jarrett was Saudi or white. Barr also says she made the tweet, which she called wrong and indefensible, at 2 a.m. while on Ambien, a sedative. You know, Roseanne just, okay, first of all, everything that you've told me about things she's done in the name of satire or joking, I don't find even remotely funny. But also, she is very full of excuses, which rubs me the wrong way. Like, just apologize if you don't have to be like, well, I was on Ambien. Guess what? Lots of people take Ambien and they don't make racist tweets, so... Yeah, the, the best one is that so Zenofi, which I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it, <laughs> which manufactures Ambien, responded by tweeting, quote, so good. Racism is not a known side effect of any Zenofi medication. <laughs> good point, good point. <laughs> that was true. Um, so later that day, ABC canceled Roseanne's show and removed the show's content from the network website, which is pretty, it was like all within a day. Super. Wow. Um, the cancellation announcement from ABC president Channing Dungi, I, I may be butchering your name, so sorry. Um, the first African-American woman to head the network called Barr's Remark quote, abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent with our values, end quote. Yeah. Which is 100% true, and I, yeah, yeah, Yeah. completely. Um, Within three weeks, the television show was revived as a spinoff called Connors with mostly the same cast and crew. So basically everyone but Barr. Well, and that's what happens. Exactly. And she still doesn't take accountability, which is the issue I have. I mean, she's just a pretty horrible person in general. But the biggest issue, well, I mean, she's racist and really horrible. But the thing that I find the most irritating is that she just doesn't take accountability for anything. Like, even yeah. in the later interview, she still defends it by saying her tweet was intended to be a political statement rather than a racial one. Okay, well, just well, so that it doesn't, it doesn't uh, matter what it what you meant it to be. Exactly, exactly. And then I put in my notes in all caps. <laughs> this next note or like fact explains it all. She supported Trump. Yep, that's what I remember. <laughs> so she voiced her support for. President Donald Trump in 2016, in a Hollywood Reporter interview, she said, quote, I think we would be lucky if Trump won, because then it wouldn't be Hillary. She's just the worst. Not Hillary. Roseanne. (laughs) Roseanne is the worst. Okay, guys. Almost done. I'm just wrapping it up by talking about the connection with Mormonism. So you've made it with me this far. We can agree that Roseanne is horrible. She's just, yeah, a fucking hot mess and not in a good way. Okay. Which is funny because I'm going to read you the last, like, I'm going to read basically just, I'll give you some of the background that how they explain it. And then there's the disclaimer at the end, which is just the cherry on top. So from LDSfilms.com says, Roseanne was born to a Jewish family in Salt Lake City from the age of 6 until 16. She was active as an LDS, sorry, as a Latter-day Saint. 
Her autobiography offers a glimpse into this period of her life. The account Roseanne provides in her autobiography is relatively short and, create, and crafted to a certain degree as a humorous story with a punchline. Roseanne's sister's biography about her, called My Sister Roseanne, The True Story of Roseanne Barr Arnold by Geraldine Barr and Ted Schwartz, which you guys remember Geraldine is the one who like, sued her and yeah. they're not on good terms. Includes two chapters about Roseanne's time as a Latter-day Saint and their relationship with the church. This biography provides a significantly more in-depth account about the depth of commitment Roseanne, her mother, exhibited to the church. It was not uncommon for Roseanne to refer to her combined Jewish Latter-day Saint background earlier in her comedy career. In later years, she spoke less frequently about her childhood as Latter-day Saint and also became more committed to Judaism. But then she also did that horrible photo shoot, which I just can't even. Um, she came to speak of her childhood in revisionist terms describing growing up Jewish among Mormons. So this is the part from the book that explains why basically her mom converted. So in the book on page 51, it says, Quote, when I was three or four, I fell on the leg of the kitchen dinette and my face froze in a manner that resembled an older person who had a stroke. Um, basically, information in the journal stated that Bell's palsy was a temporary paralysis, usually lasting only 48 hours. So basically, she finds out later on in life that this is a situation that's just temporary. Uh -huh. And stop believing in Mormonism. Because she was like, okay, that didn't, they didn't actually cure me. These elders didn't cure me. It was just a temporary medical condition. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the this disclaimer, which is so ridiculous, on, again, LDSfilms.com. <laughs> this may seem a peculiar story, and in truth, the ending may be best seen as a mixture of fact, personal history, and punchline. To read the biography by her sister, it is evident that Roseanne's change from a committed participant in her Latter-day Saint ward to a rebellious teenager may not have been as sudden as this. Also omitted from this brief account is the effect that the sexual abuse she later described at the hands of her non-LDS father oh, boy. becoming involved with drugs, promiscuity, etc. Uh, okay, fuck right off, because they have to say non-LDS, like, as if being LDS would be, uh. yep. And also, like, saying that, you know, basically the story that she tells about realizing that the elders really didn't cure her, and that's why she left, they're like, um, this is some truth, but also a punchline, so it's not actually true. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is my story of Roseanne Barr. Who Thank you so was. much. Great job. She sounds terrible. <laughs> she is. So if we have any Roseanne Barr fans, I hope after this episode, you will change your mind. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah. Great job. Thanks. Well, my person, my person is also not great. I'm going to talk about 
Glenn Beck today. (laughs) So Glenn Beck is an American conservative political commentator, conspiracy theorist, theorist, oh God, I can't speak either, conspiracy theorist, radio host, and television producer. And he's also obviously a Mormon, a very openly, um, openly Mormon. Uh, Have you heard? Sorry, not, I'm sure you're going to get to it, but he, didn't he like write a book? So basically he just profited from like converting to Mormonism at a late age. He's written, I think, six books as well. Walking Celestial Jesus. That is insane. Have you heard any of his stuff, any of his shows? Um, I vaguely, when I was Mormon, remembered, like, being, again, proud that, like, oh, I was, you know, Republican back in the day. So I was like, yeah, Glenn Beck, yeah. And I remember, like, some of it and being like, yeah, that's true. But obviously, it's just he's very aggressive and just He's extremely aggressive and he's very, very right wing and definitely leans a little into the crazy when it comes to conspiracy theory and also certain things we'll get into with like race and stuff like that. So all right, Glenn Beck was raised Roman Catholic actually. He attended Immaculate Conception Conception Catholic School. Um Immaculate Conception Catholic School in Mount Vernon, you know. Don't you just wish you went there? God, yikes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, in 1983, he married his first wife and had two daughters. The couple divorced, though, in 1994 because he had major struggles with substance abuse. Um, he said that he basically, he claims that Ever since he was 16, he would get high and drunk every single day for like 15 years. So in 1994, he attended his first AA meeting and he claims that's when he stopped drinking and doing drugs for good. So, all right. So that he like references that a lot in his talking. Anyways. So after he got clean, he began a quote, spiritual quest um, in which he just sought out answers, like in churches and things like that. And during this time, he had a radio partner named Pat Gray, who is Mormon. And he told him about Mormonism and said that Mormonism was the one he should look into because of its, quote, comprehensive worldview. <laughs> which I'm like, what? No, that's like the worst one to join if you want a comprehensive worldview. <laughs> Exactly. That's as far opposite as she could possibly fucking get with Mormonism. Like, I know. It's like so honed in on just the white American Republican worldview. Exactly. <laughs> so in 1999, uh, Glenn Beck married his second wife, Tanya, and they both joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in October 1999. And he was actually baptized by his radio partner pat gray rose i didn't know that and i thought it was for some reason i was thinking it was in the 2000s no 1999 so 
Currently, Glenn Beck is the CEO, founder, and owner of Mercury Radio Arts, the parent company of his television and radio network, The Blaze. He hosts Glenn Beck Radio Program, a popular talk radio show nationally syndicated on Premier Radio Networks, and he has 10.5 million weekly listeners. Good God, no. He's also on TV. He hosts the Glenn Beck television program, and he used to be on Fox News regularly, but he since moved over to his own network, The Blaze, but they have him on as a guest quite often on Fox News. So, oh, my God. Sure I wonder that. how much fucking money he gives to the LDS church. Oh, probably a lot. Yeah, we'll get into his money later. Um, so some of the things that are his talking points uh some of just many uh it, it it's crazy so he is very big on gun ownership he's against gun control and is a big supporter of the nra so there's that Wait, um, sorry. this is just a side note don't want to interrupt but no that, you're good um did you hear, and maybe I'm like so far behind, but Greg was telling me today that in Texas they passed that law that you can have a handgun in public without a license? I hadn't heard, but, you know, Texas <laughs> Texas is struggling. I know we have listeners in Texas, and I'm so sorry for you guys, especially they just passed the abortion ban as yeah. well. Guys, that's fucking mental. And again, I haven't actually done my research on this, and I haven't even checked the news to like back it. But my lovely boyfriend is a huge history nerd and just like reads the news all day long, so I trust <laughs> him. Um, but when he told me that today, I just thought that's terrifying. That's fucking scary to know that legally you could just walk around indoors, outdoors, wherever with a gun that you don't even have a license to. Yeah, I think you can do that in Arizona. I mean, people do. I don't know if they have their license or if they're not asked to show it. That's yeah. that's it's awesome. um, it's crazy. And I think that's another thing that Glenn Beck is like a big proponent of, of like American and freedom. And you can't don't speak bad about the U.S. And uh, it's the United States. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Continue. No, you're good. So he rejects the scientific consensus of climate change. He's a climate change denier. (laughs) Yeah, when he contests the evidence, he cites personal beliefs claiming, quote, there is more proof for the resurrection of Jesus than there is for man-made climate change, end quote. Ew. The kind of shit he talks about all the time on his daily talk show that millions of people listen to. Yeah. So concerning. During his 2010 keynote speech to the Conservative Political Action Conference, Beck wrote the word progressivism on a chalkboard and then declared, this is the disease. This is the disease in America. Progressivism is the cancer in America, and it's eating our Constitution. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm laughing, but I could see so many conservative people who I know in my life being like, yeah, that is correct. 
And it's, I know, because I laugh at this because it seems so crazy to me. But then when you factor in how many people he's influencing on his platform, it's actually quite terrifying because his words rile people up, people up. Like you said, he's so angry. He's so charged. And then he says these things, people believe them, and it leads to action, which is really scary. Um, so a collection of progressives who Glenn Beck has referred to as Crime Inc. <laughs> comprise what he contends is a cladenstein conspiracy to take over and transform the United States. Some of these individuals include Al Gore, George Soros, and Barack Obama. According ah! Yep, he hates, I mean like full-blown hates Barack Obama. According to Glenn Beck, yeah. <laughs> these individuals already have or are surreptitiously working in unison with an array of organizations and corporations to fulfill their progressive agenda. Um, In his quest to root out these progressives, Glenn Beck has compared himself to Israeli Nazi hunters, vowing on his radio show that, quote, to the day I die, I am going to be a progressive hunter. I'm going to find these people that have done this to our country and expose them. I don't care if they're in nursing homes. Oh, my God. He's a fucking horrible person. Yeah. Um, uh, So continuing with the Barack Obama thing, he promoted numerous conspiracy theories and falsehoods about President Barack Obama and the Obama administration. He suggested that Obama was planning to fake a terrorist attack, such as the Oklahoma City bombing, in order to boost the administration's popularity. He continually says that Obama is the puppet of George Soros, and he frequently likened Obama and his administration to Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich. Um, We've heard that before because, you know, in this latest election, every Trump, you know, used this to his argument, too. Like, you know, as soon as they start taking away your guns, it's like Germany during World War II when Hitler, you know, took away everyone's guns. And it's like... No, it's not the same thing at all. And it's no. also absolutely mental that people would compare the two. Like, it's so dismissive of German, like, Nazis and, like, World War Two, and actually what happened during that time to be like, yeah, it's exactly like the progressive agenda. Fuck <laughs> off. And no one wants to take your guns. We just want no. to make sure you're you know how to use them safely and you're registered and licensed. And maybe don't use AK forty sevens, okay? Because <laughs> you don't need a fucking AK forty seven. I don't care who you are. Nope. I don't care if you get a thousand emails about this. You do not need one if you are quote unquote defending yourself or hunting. You don't need an AK forty seven. Okay? No, That's you it. don't. Um, so Beck falsely claimed that John Holdren, who led the Office of Science and Technology Policy in the Obama administration, he claimed that he, quote, proposed forcing abortions and putting sterilants in the drinking water to control population. What the fuck? <laughs> like, people listen to this and they eat it up. And and I know, like we said at the top, not all Mormons listen to Glenn Beck. There are Mormons who think Glenn Beck is ridiculous. But like Sarah mentioned, it, it, more than often, like more often than not, most Mormons support Glenn Beck because he's a Mormon. 
and they'll listen to them. They listen to this shit. <laughs> exactly. So Beck argued that Obama has repeatedly shown, quote, a deep-seated hatred for white people and white culture, saying, oh, he said, quote, I'm saying he has a problem. This guy is, I believe, a racist. <laughs> Beck, fuck right off. I hate people. And yeah. I know that's a strong word, but I'm going to go with it. Who pull, let me correct that. White people who pull that card of like, uh, um, no, like black people are just racist against white people. No, actually, that's not even correct on any level. A white person can't experience racism because they never had to experience it. Like, yeah. You're in you're in the position of power as a white person. You cannot experience racism, and yeah, it's it's impossible. Reverse racism isn't a thing. Em, don't email us. I don't care. <laughs> There's a difference. Look it up. You can of course experience discrimination. You yeah. can experience you know inequalities, but racism as a white person, no, you, you don't you don't experience that. No, and also, just because someone is speaking out against the injustices and inequalities that people of color experience every day doesn't make them hate white people. It just makes them want to be held accountable for the shit that they're doing, which is fair enough. Like, it's beyond. Yeah, Yeah, you know how how many uh, school curriculums now in the States are implementing critical race theory and teaching anti-racism? A lot of them are implementing that, which I think is great. And he like lately on his show he's been such an advocate against that like he does not want it taught he thinks that teaching about race is promoting racism like he says that we shouldn't be talking about slavery and all of these issues or anti-racism because it paints America in a bad light and like it pits people against each other and it's like no we're just talking about the truth of what has happened and you can't be racist towards white people just by talking about the actual facts like exactly and it's not causing a division I hate that argument too that's like you know oh the country is so divided because you know conservatives are like oh this whole black lives matter blah 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 it's like dividing the country it's like no in actuality it's making the country more unified and having a space where a citizens of the United States can feel comfortable going yeah. out in the street and actually I don't know feeling like a citizen that's equal to everyone like that's something that brings people together and the only way it divides the country is if half the country is racist so right I know it's like yeah they feel like they're being discriminated against or they feel like things are being <laughs> they they're being treated not as equal but it's like no we're they're fighting just to be on a level playing field as you it's ridiculous absolutely and also on a side note too sorry guys and uh, maybe i'll share this to our instagram account but have you seen that story that's been going around um of a school that i think it's in utah i have to like find it myself but a few friends of mine have shared it with me where they edited school pictures and because girls had cleavage like inappropriate so they did like photoshop to the edit like uh sorry photoshop to the 
uh, photos and would like move up the neckline. So it was basically right at their neck or if they had like an open top shirt, like a plaid button up shirt, they would like somehow wrap it around. So it looked horrible. So it was like covering their chest. These are children. Why are they doing this? Why are they sexualizing them and worried about they? Oh, wow. That's messed up. I'll share it with you guys later. Oh, it just popped up right now, actually. Oh, it wasn't in Utah, guys. It was in Florida. Oh, Florida. Of course. Um, okay. In November 2012, Glenn Beck attempted to auction a mason jar holding an Obama figurine described as being submerged in urine. The bidding reached $11,000 before eBay decided to remove the auction and cancel all bids. Like, what a horrible person to do that. (laughs) And people are bidding on it. (sighs) So Glenn Beck has credited God for saving him from drug and alcohol abuse, professional obscurity, and friendlessness. In 2006, Beck performed a short inspirational monologue in Salt Lake City detailing how he was transformed by the healing power of Jesus Christ, which was released as a CD two years later by Deseret Book. So he's very much like he's not even kind of like some other Mormons. They sort of hide or famous Mormons. They don't really publicly speak about their religion. He's very open about it. And I think that's why a lot of Mormons like him. Um. So I thought this was interesting. Writer Joanna Brooks contends that Beck developed his amalgamation of anti-communism and connect the dots conspiracy theorizing only after his entry into the deeply insular world of Mormon thought and culture. Brooks theorizes that Beck's calls to fasting and prayer are rooted in Mormon collective fast to address spiritual challenges. Philip Barlow, the Arrington Chair of Mormon History and Culture at Utah State University, has said that Beck's belief that the U.S. Constitution was an inspired document, his calls for limited government and not exiling God from the public sphere, have considerable sympathy in Mormonism. And Glenn Beck has acknowledged that the Mormon doctrine is different from traditional Christianity, but he said that this was exactly what attracted him to it, stating that, for me, some of the things in traditional doctrine just don't work. <laughs> These, but yeah, it's crazy. Like he'll constantly, he'll talk about things on his show about how like the constitution's divinely inspired and we need, we need change in this world. We should all fast and pray. And then he like rants about communism and Obama and shit. Um, I just can't believe he has millions of people who listen to him. This is, legitimately yeah. like yeah wow. yeah he also publicly like recently he talks about how it's you know you shouldn't wear a mask which i mean i know they've loosened those restrictions now but back when masks were mandated he was talking about how you shouldn't wear one he's publicly stated that he will not get the covid vaccine um he he's talked a lot lately about how so disney has um They've implemented like race training for their employees, like for, you know, just to be more aware of it. And he said that that is, quote, ruining Walt Disney's dream, like, and they shouldn't be teaching about race. Um, There's, um, okay, this is a really bad quote. So like trigger warning, like 
he talks about body like bodies and this might trigger like eating disorder shit but he's i just want to show how he's a real big piece of crap this is an exact quote word for word he says you know those fat people who sit on their couch I mean the people who, like, their skin grows into the couch. And then, you know, they call the fire department and they cut them out of the wall. And then they have to bring in a truck and take them to the hospital. I say, let them die. Oh, my God. He's just, like, the biggest piece of garbage. I just, so, yeah, if you go to, even just looking at his website, you can just scroll through his blog and even just like the titles of things are, they're all terrible, but a big piece of shit, like literally yeah. a turd I poop out with corn and all the things in it. Like, he's one of those massive ones, you he's know? Like a corn turd. <laughs> yeah. So to round it out, why don't you take a guess at Glenn Beck's net worth? <gasps> I don't want to know because it makes me so disgusted that people he makes money from this. Um, I'm gonna guess 20 million. Are you ready? Yeah. Two, 250 million. No. Yep. <gasps> and so yeah, he makes money from spewing this hate, these conspiracy theories, the this racism. Uh, all of this garbage, he makes so much money. And then, since he is a good, devout Mormon, turns around, pays 10% of that to tithing, I'm sure. I mean, I don't I don't know him. I don't know his finances. But from all he says about being Mormon, you can only assume that he pays tithing. So the Mormon church is making money off of a man who says things like this. He's, I can't get over that he's worth that amount. Yeah, I know. I think it's just because he does so much. He has so many listeners. And, and also with his, like, he he appears on Fox News all the time. It's, yeah, he makes a lot. It's sickening. I know. <laughs> I know. He's like the opposite of of me and you, right? Yeah. What the, <laughs> the opposite of our show. Yeah. Anyway, that's Glenn Beck, and um, you just heard about two terrible, famous Mormons that have way more money than we do. <laughs> oh, man, I am disgusted. It's not that I didn't believe you, but I just had to do a quick Google, and it's right there in front of us, $250 million. Yeah. I know. It blows my mind. Ew, guys. Ew. I really dislike him, and I've only ever heard him talk a few times, like, when I lived in the States, and he'd be on, like, Fox News, and I know, of course, I see his books everywhere in, like, Utah, yep, Georgia as well, because it's conservative, but it's just disgusting, and it's, it's even worse, because it's, like, this is the thing that I have issues with as well, we've talked about this, and maybe I'm just gonna hint at it a bit now, but when it's it's annoying that these people have a huge spotlight and a platform and they use it to to admit that they're Mormon, but not just the myth, but like use it as a positive and get these followers. And, you know, he has millions of people listening to his show 
and maybe they're, you know, most of them aren't even Mormon. They could be like just Christians in general, but maybe that helps them convert or whatever. It's just sickening because then you can't have, uh, there hasn't been a person yet, and correct me if I'm wrong, Katie, who has been in the spotlight, who maybe has cast a negative light on the Mormon church, but in a truthful and tasteful manner that I think deserves, it's like no one wants to take on the Mormon church and it's disappointing when some people have that spotlight and could do it, but they don't. Yeah. The only people I've heard, I know there are some like podcasts that are maybe like humanist or atheist podcasts that have touched on it, but they didn't come from a Mormon background. So they don't, go too deep or there are some some relatively successful ex-mormon uh media platforms out there but they're nowhere even near the level like they're not even microscopic on a level compared to what someone like glenn beck is there there's no one even near that level of like confronting him right that's so sad (laughs) i don't have another word i know and i I look at myself, I, you know, back when I was Mormon, I wonder if I would have heard his show, because I don't even really think I heard it that much when I was Mormon, but even if I did, I probably wouldn't have thought it was all that crazy, and now you can listen to any part of his shows, any segment, just listen for like two minutes, and you're like, whoa, this man is not only cuckoo bananas, but he's spreading some really awful misinformation and he's going on major networks like Fox News and all these people are listening to him as if he's some kind of expert. It's it's bizarre, really. Yowzers, but also cuckoo bananas. That makes me want Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's where my mind is. I had dinner two hours ago and I'm hungry again. Cocoa <laughs> I'm in American cereal. <laughs> What's your favorite? What's your favorite cereal? Oh my god! I, you guys, cereal. It's a thing. It's a thing that because I grew up in a household where like I wasn't allowed to eat carbs really, and especially not sugary things. Like I always wanted all the cereals, and <laughs> as an adult, I just like I'm obsessed with cereal. I would say. It's a tough one. It depends on my mood, but my usual go-to is probably uh, Cocoa Pebbles. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not really like a cereal person, which is weird. I feel like I'm one of the few people that's just like, I don't really like it, but there, there are a few times every now and then when I just crave a certain bowl of something like, do you remember Waffle Crisp? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, sometimes that just hits. That just slaps. But, yeah. <laughs> that, that just hits you right on the clit. It just gets oh. you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can go through an episode without saying the word clit. So, there it is. Wow. It's on my mind, guys. It's either clit or turds or poop or oh my God. sex. Sorry. It's just, it's just how my brain is programmed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to let it out. All right, listeners, thanks so much for sticking with us, for listening. Uh, Let us know if you have any other famous Mormons you want us to cover, because we'll probably keep doing this for a few episodes down the road. (laughs) If you guys think of, like, if you know one that's not well covered or it's like, 
secret one? I don't know. One that's not as well known. Let us know because I find this shit fascinating. Same. Um, so yeah. Hope you guys have a safe week. Um, wash your damn hands as always, and we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.